Hello, and welcome to a show of their own, Sports and Life with Morgan and Laura. I'm Morgan. And I'm Laura, and we are back for another full episode. A lot has happened in both of our favorite sports. So we thought, <laughs> like we've been doing, we just kind of recap all that's happened. Um, so obviously the NHL, the qualifying rounds or, or whatever they're calling them are over the round robin is over so our bracket is set and just a little bit ago they had the draft lottery so that's all set so everything's good to go the playoffs start tomorrow or I guess today when you're listening to it on Tuesday and so that's really exciting um of course my penguins lost which is disappointing but I mean I it's almost hard to be like because it was so short it was five games yeah it was just like Meh. and whenever like I'm here to like be disappointed about the penguins there's always a team so like last year the penguins got swept by the islanders and it was really disappointing but then the tampa bay lightning who were the president's trophy winners had to go and get swept by the blue jackets and so of course they're not as that mad and then of course we had toronto so yeah we're good because toronto i believe and so Game three, the series mm-hmm. was tied 1-1. Toronto had a 3-0 lead. Or no. Yeah, Toronto had a 3-0 lead that they then blew to Columbus. And so it was tied 3-3 and Pierre-Luc Dubois went it for Columbus in overtime. Very next night, less than 24 hours later, Columbus had a 3-0 lead. Toronto scored three goals in like three minutes. Yeah, it was insane. Insane for all of them, and then Toronto wins in overtime. It was the first time that's ever happened where it's like back to back three goal comebacks like that. So that was pretty insane. And then of course Columbus won this deciding game five because Toronto is Toronto. And I just did see on Twitter because they show they did the draft lottery live. Mm -hmm. And there's always, with the way the, like, machine works, there's always one ball that was, like, close to re- going through but doesn't quite make it. Thank was God. it the Leafs? It was not the Penguins. It was the Leafs. Oh, no. It, like, bounced around, went out, and then New York's just shot right up in there. And so, <laughs> like, Did you see there's already pen- conspiracy theories? There already is because uh, when – and it was so dumb they did this. It, it took way too long. It took so long. I was like, is this really happening right they now? They held up the Ernst & Young accounting guy, held up the ball with the name on it, and the gal the logo. introduced the team, and then the commissioner had to confirm that the logo that we all know is for the team is actually for the team. Yeah. And so he does that, but then the Rangers, who are, like, right in the middle, they're, like, the yeah. fifth team or something called – he like drops it first, which he wasn't supposed to do. So he has to pull it out, show it, and then put it back in. And of course, you know, he's thinking like, please just not that one. Right. And of course, that's the team that wins. So now we're all, there's all the conspiracy theories. But honestly, I don't buy it. And I will just say, obviously, I have a reason to be upset and all of that. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the possible outcomes, I think the Rangers make good sense. They are a rebuilding team. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it, it's, it's good that it's going to go to a team that it would traditionally go to. The Rangers, if they had done the playoffs, the old format, I believe the Rangers were out of it. 
or we're very barely in it either way. Yeah. And so I, I think that makes good sense. It is interesting though, because now the Rangers are going to be like stupid stacked on the left side of, <laughs> so they have Artemi Panarin, who they're obviously keeping like, duh, he's amazing. They just signed Chris Kreider to like a five or $6 million mm -hmm. extension. And now they have Alexi Lafreniere and they're all left wings. And I don't know that any of them can play right wing. And so I'm just like, I'm curious. I'm, I, it's like, if you have to pick one of those three, it's mm -hmm. Kreider. It's easily Kreider. Yeah. And I don't know if they would wait on that and see like how Lafreniere, like if he needs a little time to mature and how all that's going to work out. But it is interesting to see. The other thing that I found hilarious about this is I know in every draft, there's always the, pl the player, no matter what sport, that mm -hmm. you pretty much know is going to be number one. Sometimes mm -hmm. there are surprises and maybe they'll go two or three, but usually everyone knows who's going to be the number one pick. The one thing that I found hilarious about this, and someone on Tumblr was like, why does it feel like we're watching an auction for a person? Because that's what <laughs> it the felt showing like. of Lafreniere, like just, he had to zoom Wait. in just to stare yes. at the camera. That, I was like, that was weird. it's like the opposite of like what I imagine watching someone be like, like, I don't know. It was just so bizarre. And the thing that's weird to, to me too is, okay, so this guy is head certain in, in, in away far and away the best player in the draft class so what does he get for that he has to sit there through all of the draft lottery just to find out team to be named later is yeah. going to draft him and then he has to sit in this thing in like a, a nice shirt and everything and just stare emotionless and then yeah. like so what was the point of that and then I had to turn it off when they were going to like interview him afterwards I'm like this poor kid like and he had, like, the generic answers of, like, I'm really excited to go to say? this team. It's a great city. I was like, I mean, also, technically, he's not drafted yet. So, like, he could. There's always that, like, minute chance that yeah. one if he doesn't go to that team. So, yeah, it, it, the it's whole just, thing it, it is so weird. weird. And honestly, the GMs, too, it's, it's weird because, mm -hmm. like, for instance, in a normal draft lottery, so, like, um, the one they did originally, or like on a typical year where they do one, every team's name gets called. So like, there's like a reaction and time to interview all of the different teams. Right. This is like one team's name get called, and for that eight like eight GMs had to sit there. Yeah. It's it's so. <laughs> and I'm not just saying that because we didn't win, because I I really don't think I'm that better. Like I wasn't yeah. expecting to win. I don't necessarily even think. I think. Toronto, Pittsburgh, and Edmonton were the three that people did not want. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good with, like, not having something super weird happen. So it seems <laughs> that, like, it makes sense that they would yeah. win the lottery. Yeah, it, it did make, like, still, this is only the second year I've watched hockey, and even I was like, okay, sure, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and it, it's kind of good for him, too, because he's going to a team that's going to be getting good mm -hmm. when he's getting good. And, like, I wouldn't necessarily want him to go to, like, like I know Detroit really wanted that pick. Yeah. Detroit is horrible. Yeah. It's always sad when, like, oh, you know it's a really great pick going to a really bad team. Yeah. So, okay. So, with that, I thought, well, okay, first of all, we have to recap. So, the, um, I have the, the, 
brackets up. So I'm just going to kind of go through and I thought we could discuss the teams and then like our thoughts on them coming in and our predictions. We're not going to do the second round or anything like that because they reseed and it gets too confusing. Yeah. So we're just going to do the first round matchups and I figure let's start with the East and then go West. Most everyone does the opposite, but since you have a West coast team and I have no team in it, we'll go that <laughs> So um, the very, so it's just seeded one through eight on each side and the first seed went undefeated through the playing rounds or the round robin games is the Philadelphia Flyers uh, versus the Montreal Canadiens who upset the Penguins um, personally speaking this just seems like the Flyers like it seems yeah. like a no-brainer and for me the Flyers they, they were always good this year but right towards the end of the um of the regular season that we had they were really hot and then a lot of teams that were that way like New York Rangers were that way and then they just completely like Mm -hmm. none of that carried over which you wouldn't expect it two months after the fact Philadelphia looks amazing Mm -hmm. and so just all of the things that they have how complete of a team that they are I just there's no question in my mind so I also picked the Phillies but I want to clarify that like I feel like you're because I don't know I didn't look at your bracket I wanted to be surprised by your picks but I feel like to anyone listening Laura's picks are probably more accurate with logic and stats to back it up here's the thing it's hockey so yours will probably be better no because I pick mine based on what I think I know but also based on if I do or don't like that team in general yeah but see that's what I'm (laughs) saying it's like so that'll probably randomness tends to do better than like oh this is the team that's better so I'm gonna pick that because also like the Phillies I think they're better than Montreal sorry yeah fly cheese it's I was literally just watching (laughs) the Phillies play the Braves so that really messed me up the Flyers um like they're the number one seed so that also like feeds into it but then I'm also like well Montreal beat Pittsburgh so why would I pick them but then I also know that the Flyers are Pittsburgh's natural rival so then like there's all of that but I like I like the Flyers this is the thing I like some of the players on the Flyers and mm-hmm. I don't hate them as much as I hate Washington right I just had to pick the team that I wanted to win it would be Montreal but trying to be accurate I just right. don't see it because like Matt Murray did not have a great series versus Montreal and that definitely mm-hmm. helped them because Carey Price was far and away the better goalie. Mm-hmm. Carter Hart's a really good goalie. Like yeah. you're looking at th- that's kind of an interesting storyline of this. You're looking at the past like Team Canada Olympic mm-hmm. goalie mainstay versus I think Carter Hart could likely be the future like Team Canada goalie. Mm-hmm. And so that's a really interesting like torch kind of thing, but I I really like the Flyers for this one. And I think the qualifying rounds just really messed me up on what I thought I knew about every team. Mm-hmm. So it almost kind of feels like, well, any team could really beat the series because the qualifying rounds were just so insane to me. Mm-hmm. So speaking of that, next we have Tampa Bay and Columbus. And there are some real X factors there because mm-hmm. it sounds like Victor Hedman, who's like the stud defenseman for Tampa, could be out. And I think Steven Stamkos maybe is like a big winger for them. And so a lot of their firepower could potentially not be there, which would really impact things. And the other thing that I think the Toronto series showed, Columbus was way out talented. 
but mm-hmm. they have really great goaltending coaching and depth and all of that in their system. They always seem to have a goalie who's amazing. And I think people don't give Tortorella enough credit for actually being like a real, not just like the motivational yelly coach, but like a really good tactical coach. Yeah. I had Tampa Bay winning, but it would not surprise me if Columbus won this one. Yeah. I didn't really see a lot of what Tampa did in the, they were one of the round robins teams. Yeah. So they beat everyone basically except Philly. Okay. So I kind of, I knew more about the Blue Jackets than I did Tampa, although I knew Tampa was a good team. Last year also kind of played in my head because they mm-hmm. were number one last year and they got eliminated real fast. Um, so I just went cl- with Columbus because I had seen them play more recently. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of surprised at how good they were because they're a team I don't really pay attention to that often. Um, even though I do like Tampa Bay as far as like, Weren't they the team that, like, did all, like, the uh, the doc talks? Yeah, that was them. See, part of me, like, that would usually influence my picks, but I went with Columbus as well. Yeah, and uh, so I went with Tampa, but I could totally see Columbus. That's yeah. what I was saying. Yeah. Like, I think Tampa fully healthy, I think it's Tampa. Yeah. But they're really not fully healthy. Yeah, this. I think this matchup of all of them might have been my most difficult of where I was, like, I don't really mind either team winning. Mm-hmm. So if if it doesn't play into a factor of if I don't like a team or not, then it becomes harder for me to really, truly decide. Yeah. So the next one, this one was a tough one for me. Uh, probably one of my tougher ones, Washington versus the Islanders. And the thing that was tough for me is that Ilya Samsonov, who's like the future number one goalie of the Capitals and has been their goalie all year, I believe is hurt. And didn't play any of the round robin, and I don't know if he's going to play. And the Barry Trotz structure, it just, it's like Tortorella. The two of them, their defenses can do amazing things. Trotz almost more so than Tortorella. And so I really like that. Um, And then I really do that Matt Barzell is so amazing. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up going with the Islanders in seven. It was really a toss up for me on who I thought would win. Um, But then the thing that I just like pushed it over the edge is I I like New York better than I like Washington. (laughs) Like I could see either one. I'm going with New York. Um, I also picked New York. I don't, part of me doesn't really know why I did. I just, I think part of me was like, well, Washington won recently, so let the Islanders move ahead. Yeah. Um, Not that I really have anything truly against, against them. I almost called them the Nationals. My brain does not know which sport to be in. Um, But yeah, I don't know. Something about the Islanders is endearing, I guess. I don't know. They're just an interesting team. So the next one was easy <laughs> interesting too boston carolina and there's a few things at play here mm-hmm. boston fully healthy was lethal this year like they were the president's yeah. cup trophy winners that said they weren't fully healthy david pasternak i think missed most of the round robin and Tuka Rask, i think missed pretty much all of it mm-hmm. for, except for maybe like one game because he had a broken finger in his catching hands which you know not ideal and so they ended up, they got screwed by this format because they were going to yeah. be President's Trophy one seed and now are four seed. Um, and then also Dom LeCision 
who writes for The Athletic, he does this like game score, which is like an advanced metric of like how much you brought to the different games. Sebastian Ajo had the highest one in round one and it wasn't even close. And Andrei Svechikov had number two. And so I'm just, Carolina is really catching fire at the right time. And especially yeah. if they get Dougie Hamilton, Brett Pesci, one or both of them back on defense, like their defense, they have legit like three pairs of amazing defensemen. And with the way I thought Peter Mrazek and James Reimer, which if there is a weakness, it's their goaltending, with the way the both of them looked, I think they're so, so set up for good things here. So I had Carolina. I mean, obviously I had Carolina. I think anyone who's listened to us knows that, like, I'd probably pick Carolina over everyone. Um, And that's not really because I, like, don't like Boston. I, I don't really care for them like I really don't care either way but I like Carolina more in general um also I was watching NHL Network last night and I don't know if it was like um a interview from that day or the day before or whatever but they were talking about the Bruins and something about it kind of like rubbed me the wrong way and I don't know if it's because like I'm bitter about how the stars were playing but like they they kind of essentially said like they were kind of just looking at it as like practice the round robins which I guess but at the same time I'm like if you haven't played in like months like wouldn't you want to go into it with like your brain thinking okay this is also playoffs and the whole reason they did the round robin is because they felt it was an unfair advantage for the lower seated teams Uh to have played all of these games and then your higher seated teams who had better seasons come in cold and so you are supposed to like actually play and now granted you're not going to be as physical because it would suck getting like taken out for the series in a round robin game but you are supposed to play yeah so yeah that that I get that um so that is our our round one preview for the east now moving over to the west the first one I think is like not much to talk about Vegas versus Chicago Chicago got lucky that they faced the Edmonton Oilers and namely that inexplicably and I mean the coach for um the Edmonton Oilers has been amazing all year done really great things his name's Dave Tippett done amazing things all year for the Oilers and then decided out of nowhere to start Mike Smith and that for game one who was garbage he was terrible. And I think that just set the whole series off on the wrong foot for mm-hmm. Edmonton. Vegas, okay. X Factor here. Pete DeBoer, play Robin Leonard. Do not play Marc Andre Fleury. I know <laughs> he's your legend. He started your franchise, all of that. Robin Leonard is easily, easily the better goaltender this year by any measure. Yeah. Easily. And so, yes, please play Robin Leonard. Also, like, Vegas kind of loaded up. They have Mark Stone and Mac Pe- mm-hmm. Max Pacioretty, William Carlson, Jonathan Marsh. So they have like a really legit offense. And Chicago allegedly has a defense. It's like <laughs> Duncan Keith is really good and ha- has like really come to play in the playoffs. And Calvin DeHaan in- is good. And there are guys. There are other guys. <laughs> I have to thank Chicago for taking Olimata. I don't know if I've ever seen a, a National Hockey League player skate slower than Olimata skates, and he's on their defense. So thank you for that, for taking that off our hands. But, yeah, I, I just 
Vegas, sorry. Yeah, I, I went with Vegas as well just because I saw – I. I want to say I saw every game they played round ro- – I don't know if I saw the St. Louis game, but I did see them obviously play the Stars, and I saw them against Colorado, and they just looked like a really good team that had it together, and Chicago just seemed like a team that got lucky. Yeah, for sure. And I think actually the 1-8 matchups are both that way, and it's because the 12 mm-hmm. seed beat the 5 seed in both of them. I yeah. think Montreal looked like they got lucky and that Pittsburgh played like crap. Chicago looks like they got lucky for kind of similar-ish reasons. Yeah. And then it's like Vegas and Philly actually look good. Exactly. So um, next one is Colorado, Arizona, which I think it's crazy because you go from 1-8 to 2-7. And I think there's a lot more to talk about with Colorado, Arizona, because Arizona has Darcy Kemper, who's been amazing at times. And so it's like, could he take over games? They have some really interesting players that I think – could do some stuff obviously Taylor Hall Phil Kessel that kind of thing I still really like Colorado just because of the talent the speed and all of that but the goaltending I would say is always an x-factor but you've got Philip Grubauer and Pavel Francouz and they aren't as as established as I would say Antti Ranta and Darcy Kemper are yeah I went with Colorado And that's mostly because I know more about Colorado than Arizona. So I didn't really know how good they match up against Colorado. And that's really the only reason I I, I have. I think the biggest thing is Nathan McKinnon. Yeah. Way better. He like Mm -hmm. Taylor Hall is a really elite player. Nathan McKinnon is like top five in the league. So yeah, I think that kind of is your X factor there. Next, I guess we'll do yours next. And I think <laughs> this one we're going to have some takes. Dallas Calgary. <laughs> I, I, I went back and forth on this one, and I'll tell you why. Calgary, I talk about goaltending a lot. Calgary has some struggles. So they're, they're going with Cam Talbot, which I think is the right choice, given how both of them are performed. Neither... Cam Talbot or Dave Riddich have just been amazing this year, and neither I would trust in the playoffs at all. Cam Talbot would come through with some big saves, but then let in some in the other in the earlier round against Winnipeg. And so just that alone, it makes me very eh. And then Calgary also had Travis Hamanick, who's one of their right side defensemen, top four defensemen, opt out because of his family. And so I think defensively and goaltending. The advantage is with Dallas. That said, when you look at Matthew Kachuk, Johnny Gaudreau, Sean Monahan, Elias Lindholm, I mean, sorry, like even if Tyler Sagan plays, I, I just, I didn't see the matchup there. And then I have to bring up that tweet that I sent you the other night from Dmitry Filipovich, <laughs> who listed all of the great things like storylines and he was talking about like Barry Trotz versus his former team lightning versus CBJ rematch last year and then he ends with Rick Bonus versus giving proper ice time to his best players which is really apparently a battle and who knows if it will even be a battle because we might never see Gurionov in this and it's like 
Calgary has that. Calgary has Johnny Gaudreau, who's a speedster and really talented. And they have Matthew Kachuk. They have these like really talented young players. And it's like, Gurionov and Hintz, you have that. Play them. So are we all settled in? Because I <laughs> have some thoughts. <laughs> um... I'm still reeling from their game against St. Louis, which I can't even be happy that they won because it was so ridiculously stupid. And honestly, this was going to be my rant, but I knew I couldn't save it to the end. So we're doing it now. Um, I went ahead and picked Calgary. That's how little faith I have in this team. And it's mostly to do with A, how they played um, since February, essentially, and B, the fact that Sagan is day-to-day Bishop is day-to-day, and we have, I think, Thursday and Friday back-to-backs at freaking 9.30 p.m. Central Time. That's a whole nother rant. But I (laughs) – and I know everyone listening probably follows both of us on Twitter, so they saw my tweet when I was like, oh, if you play Giryanov, we we win. That actually happens. Who freaking knew? And I'm I'm mad, but also – a little relieved that apparently NHL stats were not working for the Stars St. Louis game. So I have no idea what the ice times were for Giryanov. Probably not good, but I, when that went to a shootout, I was like, okay, well, Sagan can't play because he's not playing. So there goes our best shooter, our number one shooter. So I was like, it's going to be Pavelski. And then because it's bonus, it's going to be Jamie Ben and Radulov because that would be who he picked. So when Giryanov, was second I about died like literally almost fell to the floor died I could not believe he finally listened we've been screaming about it since December and he finally listened but then we got our post-game interview and he actually said he was happy to see them play Dallas Stars hockey I don't know what game he was watching because the game I was watching, we had the stars had six power plays, didn't score on any of them, didn't score until the last 30 seconds only to go to five minutes of three on three to then go to a shootout. Laura, when they scored that goal in the last 30, as soon as they pulled Dobie, I was like, oh my God, they're actually going to score a goal here because that would happen. Like I, I was legitimately mad when they scored. I was like, great. Now I have to watch five on five and it's not just going to be or three on three. And it's not going to just be that because I know this team and they're going to go to a shootout because why wouldn't they? And like part of me wants to be hopeful But that broke a nine-game losing streak that goes back to February, which obviously sounds a little ridiculous. They didn't play for three, four months. But it's not like they looked any better in the round robins. Like, they almost looked worse. Like, at one power play, Jamie Benn was literally just standing on the blue line doing nothing. And then they posted a video today of, like, a montage of all the interviews of, like, stars being like, yeah, postseason's a different season, and we're going to do this, this, this. I'm like are you? Because you haven't done any of that. I just cannot even. And the only redeeming factor of that game is the pettiness of the fact that it dropped the Blues from first place to fourth. 
That's the only thing you want. <laughs> I was like, okay. But also there was part of me that was like, before the game started, flashing back to the game I went to in February. The only professional sports game I'm going to in 2020 was the 5-1 loss to St. Louis. Jamie Benn did not play in that game. Jordan Bennington did not play in that game. Bishop gave up like four goals before he was pulled. That's not an exaggeration. And so when we get went to this game and Bishop's not playing, I'm like, okay, Doby, we have a chance. But then you don't have Sagan and no Bennington. And Jake Allen is 3-0 and against them for the season. I, I'm still in shock we won. And I honestly don't even care. Because I'm also like, well, we're just going to get swept in the next round <laughs> because that's what it feels like. I, I think it could be very close just because the goaltending thing. It's yeah. a massive. There's an ocean of difference between even if Ben Bishop can't go. I would take Anton Hudobin so much. I would I would take Anton Hudobin if I'm Calgary. I would take Anton Hudobin and like give you a like a another player just to get that upgrade in goaltending because Dave Riddich and Cam Talbot ain't it. <laughs> really ain't it. I, I really wanted to pick Dallas because usually if I have any team in any bracket, I'm just gonna pick my team because it's my team. But I was so burnt out on just the three round robin games in the exhibition that I was just like, I don't, I was so close to being, I, I even said it to my dad. I was like, I wish this was the qualifying round. So we would be put out of our misery after this. <laughs> Cause I genuinely thought, Oh, they're not going to win a single round robin game. Here's the other thing too, though. Cause adding to the goalie conversation, like, yes, I think that's a big advantage Dallas has. And I think, Cam Talbot certainly who Calgary's gonna play and I think that's like a huge opportunity but that means that Dallas has to score goals <laughs> which is like so that also kind of means you got to play Dennis yeah. Gurionov so like yeah. I don't know if that's gonna happen and I will say in that game against St. Louis not only were the stars just bad like they have been they also managed to get bad luck on top of that there I swear to god three players hit crossbars rope hints completely whiffed on an open net I think twice six power plays we had six power plays okay that is something I need to say though no one can complain about luck the freaking Leafs and their series <laughs> shot 1.97%. I have literally never seen a shooting percentage, even for a game, that low. Like, that's horrendous. And that's just not like, okay, I could see a shooting percentage that low if it's like Cody Cece, the guy who like airmailed every shot he ever uh -huh. took. Like, because they were making fun of those post-game ones yeah. where it was like 10 feet outside the goal. But like, that's Austin Matthews and John Tavares and like all of them. And it's insane. So, yeah. yeah bad luck but anyways I, I I have Calgary too um I think it's going to be the x factor of the goaltending yeah. if I think if Talbot is even remotely competent mm -hmm. with what I saw from the stars I think yeah yeah I'm not expecting a whole bunch from the stars next St. Louis Vancouver now this I had going seven games I'll tell you why because St. Vancouver they have some really interesting players. Mm -hmm. Elias Pettersson is amazing. Brock Besser. Apparently they want to trade him, but I don't know why, because he's also amazing. Um, and then obviously Quinn Hughes. Like there's so much talent, young talent on that team that could do some really amazing things. Couple thoughts. 
Jacob Marstrom has been like their MVP all year and did not, he kind of had a little up and down of a series against Minnesota. So if that continues, that's a little worrisome when it comes to St. Louis. The other thing is their GM has this amazing thing of like drafting like Elias Pettersson, home run draft, Quinn Hughes, home run drafts like they do amazing in the draft and then they sign a bunch of mediocre players to like four-year three million dollar contract and just strap themselves with this salary cap situation where they have a bunch of mediocre players making too much money and they have that here like their defense a lot of the guys on there make too much money for what they do they inexplicably paid tyler myers six million dollars to be like their fifth defenseman and all that so it's kind of like, I think St. Louis is better constructed as a team, but some of the pieces, and especially Tarasenko's a little bit of the expector on if he plays mm-hmm. and how, how good he is. I had St. Louis in seven, but I think it's really close. And I think there's like a couple things that will really determine it. Well, you know me and I can't pick St. <laughs> Louis. Um, so I went Vancouver. And that is part of me hating St. Louis and being petty, but it's also knowing that Jordan Bennington hasn't been that great for them, Mm -hmm. especially in round robin and seeing them play the stars and score only one goal against them. is kind of not that I wanted them to go five and oh against us again, but one one goal. Well, it really, it should have been two, but they were offsides. So the second goal didn't count. God bless. But I like, they weren't that impressive when I watched them and the, knowing that they went 0-3 in the round robin is way worse than I thought they'd do. Yeah, and that's the thing. I have them getting trounced by Colorado in the next round because that's who yeah. they match up in my – and, I like, I I think whoever wins that is going to lose in the next round. Mm-hmm. I just think there are holes in both teams. Yeah. But that's kind of part of where I'm like, well, that's kind of an interesting matchup then because it's not like, oh, here's a world beater versus like. Yeah. But, and so it's, it's interesting. But I will say, you said you picked things for Petty and all of those reasons. Mm-hmm. There weren't any of your picks that like <laughs> completely out of what. Like if you said, oh, I picked Chicago over Vegas for Petty reasons. That would be like, hmm, are you sure about that? But like all of them are defensible for other reasons. Yeah, I, which I try to do with my brackets, but there are times where I'm just like, I don't like that team, so I'm not picking them no matter how good they are. That's, I did have the benefit of my team completely not being in it. Yeah. So I think I went pretty as objective as a person can be. <laughs> I'll say that. So if, if the stars had maybe gone like one and two in the round robin, but won that exhibition game against Nashville, I might feel better about this, but I'm really down on them. Yeah. I, a lot of people are really down on the stars, including yeah. Sean Shapiro, who's like the beat writer for the stars. If y'all have not read his article after the Colorado game, I think. It was so good. I was reading it and nodding along. I was like, yes, this is everything I want to say, but way more eloquent than anything I could have sprouted out. He's so, I'm going to find that you can, we can go to MLB now, but that I'll make it like my rave or something. Cause his thing is so good every every word of it I was like yep exactly that's yeah huh he said it perfectly yeah so anyway I will let you go transition to MLB now MLB has a lot of updates 
I don't really feel like I have a lot of rants, except I will just start off with saying when a manager invades six feet within the ump, it should be an automatic ejection with a possible suspension or fine. I will die on this hill this season because I've seen it now at least three times and there's been no ejection in any of them. Swear to God on Sunday. Yeah, it was when the Stars were playing too. Joe Madden was arguing with the ump, clearly wanting to be ejected. Like not only just with coming in six feet, he argued for, I swear to God, hours it felt like. And the ump never ejected him. I was like, first of all, it's automatic ejection. He came within six feet. Second of all, you're just letting him yell at you. He cleared. I honestly, part of me was like, the ump's just being petty by not throwing him out. So I respect that. But then the other part of me was like, y'all, MLB has one rule that they actually defined with consequences. And they can't even do that. It irritates that to me. I could care less in theory if a manager is actually ejected or not. It's just the fact that it's like their one rule that came with consequences from the very beginning when they outlined their protocol and they can't even enforce it. And it's like, well, why would we expect them to enforce anything else? Yeah, and that's, okay, I have, I wanted to say, because I know we're going to talk more about, like, some of the updates and stuff. Mm -hmm. Now, and I'm happier that they are, like, changing as they've seen all the things that have gone wrong. But it does Mm kind of seem like they're just like, okay, the rules are what we say they are this week. Yeah, And it's just like, well, we're just going to go with it instead of having like a, like, here are the plan, here are the rules, here's like exactly what you have to do, and there are no questions, you do this or you don't play. Right. And that's just like, that's why I tweet every time a manager or even a player, because it is a manager or player, if they leave their current position to get within six feet of the ump, it should be an automatic ejection, and I've yet to see anyone be ejected for that reason. Mm-hmm. Moving on. Um, I think if anyone keeps up with MLB, maybe even sports in general, because it was a big story last summer, uh, Tyler Skaggs, an Angels pitcher, uh, passed away due to an overdose um, with fentanyl. And it actually happened while the Angels were in Texas. They were getting ready to play a series over July 4th. And they even had to... I guess they canceled that game because I can't actually remember if they played it later in the season or not. Anyway, they canceled that game. It was a big storyline. It came out like I think a few weeks later maybe that it had to do with fentanyl. Actually months. I think it was months before like the autopsy was done and reports were released. But at the beginning, there were some like suspicions. Um, And so last week they arrested – Eric Kay, who worked with the media relations for that organization for 24 years. And however, they only um, found like any kind of documentation or evidence that he has been distributing narcotics um, as far back as 2017. Um, I also, I got all this information from The Athletic. And so he was arrested for distributing fentanyl in connection with the death of Tyler Skaggs. in that article, it was saying it seemed kind of regular for Skaggs to, like, text him and ask for, not specifically fentanyl because that's super dangerous, but um, apparently oxycotton, I think, oxycotton or oxycodone, one of the two, was something he regularly asked for. I th- if I remember the article correctly, I didn't write this down, they found three different types of pills in his hotel room, and 
two of which were laced with fentanyl. And they said had the fentanyl not been part of it, the overdose and death never would have occurred. It was strictly the fentanyl amount that killed him. Um, they haven't said that anyone else in the Angels organization is connected to that. So it just seems that he was somehow getting drugs. And it, it sounds like obviously it was more than just Tyler Skaggs getting them from him, but no other players were named. So a couple of things. First of all, not a medical expert here, but I do remember from some of the stuff I've seen about policing when it comes to narcotics and things like that. Obviously, all narcotics cause issues, but I know mm-hmm. police, when they're dealing with, like, fentanyl and, like, possessing it and, like, mm-hmm. taking it away from people, they always have to wear gloves and a lot yeah. of protection because even contact with their skin is dangerous. So fentanyl is, like, mm-hmm. even in the tar- category of narcotics which are like very scary all fentanyl is uniquely potent. yeah so yeah and even just on its own so with other things on top of that it's from what I've read and heard it's almost always if you are taking that laced with any other narcotic you're most likely gambling with death and another thing I will he- I tell you is I've heard and read different things in hockey about a lot of and I think this is true in a lot of sports in the past that pain medication was easily available to mm-hmm. players. And obviously we're not talking Tylenol. We're talking anything that's a controlled substance was easily available because they thought we give this to our players. They're able to play for us. Everyone wins. And now that things are coming out more and more with the dangers of it and all of the problems, I will say, I believe the NHL, that's one of the substances that they test for but it is not a punishment. So uh, this came up when Evgeny Kuznetsov tested positive for cocaine. Mm-hmm. And the only reason he got suspended is because he lied about things. But if you test positive for a substance that is not performance enhancing, it's just they'll reach out to you and say, hey, we saw this. And depending on the levels, they can say, hey, with this test, like we need you to meet with someone and just talk and have a plan and mm-hmm. then agree to more testing just because and I think that's like a human thing of we yeah. don't want you in danger so we need to know this and obviously if someone had a prescription because they had like Jake Gensel had a rotator cuff surgery right. so obviously he's going to have narcotics right. obviously so they're not going to test him but if they did they'd be like oh of course so But I think that's a really smart, and I think the NHL, it's the one way that they're super progressive is their player assistance program. And I think that it should be a model for other sports because I think that kind of, hey, we're testing you for these things. It's not punitive at all. We're looking like we we genuinely care about you. This is for you. And I was, I was looking up to see how long Skaggs had played with, uh, LA and he played in 2014 then what oh he he was drafted by by the Angels and then 2010 went to the Diamondbacks 2014 came back with the Angels um he had Tommy John surgery in I guess the the end of 2014 so that could have maybe been when It started because if they're saying that uh, Eric Kay, who was arrested, there's no evidence of him distributing before 2017. 
Gags pitched 10 games in 2016, and 2017 was um, somewhat the full season he came back, but he did spend a lot of time on the DL, so that makes me think maybe that's when it started for pain management and then turned into an addiction, because it's surprising that there's not been any other players. I don't expect any active players to be like, yeah, he supplied me with drugs, but like anonymously, like I feel like the athletic is really good about getting like anonymous players to be like, Hey, this is what happened. So I'm, I'm I wouldn't be surprised if there's more because I can't imagine him only supplying skags with it, but it is a little odd that he's like in their uh, media relations. Yeah. There, I think there, not, there's a lot more we need to know. Yeah. Cause in my mind, my first thought is, Oh, it would have to be like a trainer or something because they, they would work more closely with mm-hmm. a pitcher. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what else comes out. So just random baseball interruption mm-hmm. thing to tell you, um, because we care about the New York Mets and all of the ways that they mess about things. It is currently the top of the sixth, but no bottom of the sixth, um, I believe. And the Mets are playing the nationals. The Mets have three hits to the nationals, 15 and the score is 14 to nothing nationals so that's a very Mets thing to happen oh, so very Mets. live update that the Mets are, are going full Mets it's it's oh. baseball maybe all kinds of weird but the Mets are still the Mets oh the Mets which actually transitions good to um Astros so on Sunday the Astros in Oakland were playing Oakland swept the Astros which thanks to them, put the Rangers in second place in the ALS, which is a playoff spot this year, Um, which honestly, with how bad they've been playing, it's a miracle they would technically be in the playoff spot. Anyway, there was a brawl towards, I think it was the seventh inning. Um, So Dusty Baker at the top of that inning, no, bottom of the sixth, literally 10 minutes before the fight, he um, was thrown out from the dugout for arguing strikes and pitches strikes and balls so he was not part of this um brawl because if he left the dugout he would have been fined instead his uh hitting coach decided to you know incite the brawl Loriano got hit by pitch I th- that was the third pitch he was hit by in that um series second of that day so rightly so he was pissed and I will say the Astros pitcher is a rookie. I believe I don't. I think this is his first season. Um, so he has nothing to do with the cheating scandal, but still he's on that team. And when you get hit in the back twice in one game, you get a little frustrated. But Loriano did like the normal like yelling catcher gets in between, but he's walking to first. It's fine. But then the Astros dugout, which at Oakland is on the first base side, starts yelling at Loriano. Whatever the hitting coach said pissed him off enough to charge the dugout. Um, The hitting coach decided to hide behind three of his players during it because that's what you do when you incite another player as a coach. Um, I imagine he would be suspended, the hitting coach. I know he'll be fined because, first off, he incited it. And um, usually it's the manager that gets fined if their players brawl because that's one of the rules with COVID, no fighting. Um, which is why Dusty Baker got fined when they uh, benches cleared with the Dodgers. 
it was not a fine for being within six feet of the ump. It was just a fine for his team went out on the field and argued with the rest of the other team. Um, I sure Lariano will probably get like a game or two for no reason because it's not his fault. The freaking hitting coach literally said, come at me. And then apparently said something bad about his mother is what I was reading, what he was saying. Um, I don't know if any, I haven't seen any punishments today, Monday night. Um, so I'm sure by the time this comes out, there probably will be because they've been kind of quick about that with the shortened season. But also it's kind of like, did you think the Dodgers were going to be the only team that was pissed with him? Like Mike Fires with Oakland is the one who like snitched, which the whole time I was like, okay, where is he in this brawl though? Because he's kind of the quote unquote snitch for this. So you'd think Astros would be pretty pissed off about that. But the Astros, ha- like, the hitting coach has to get the major punishment here. Um, I will say, so, great Twitter account if you don't like the Houston Astros or basically anyone besides Astros fans. Asterisk tour. That yes. Documents, like, and, and revels in how bad the Astros are. And I thought their tweet summed this up. What I expect from all of this about the, the brawl and everything somehow Rob Manfred is going to find a way to blame Joe Kelly for today. Yeah. And I feel like that's probably going to happen. Right. Because somehow he wasn't even there and somehow it's his fault. Or somehow it's going to be Mike Fire's fault. Yeah. He's the one that told on the Astros in the first place. Um, but apparently from what I said or from what I read, the Astros were hitting Oakland players quite a bit in this series. A lot of people seem to believe it's because Mike Fire's on the Oakland athletics team. Um, but it's kind of, it's interesting because I don't think, I don't think Oakland hit the Astros as much, which I have no problem if they wanted to, but for a hitting coach to be inciting another player, which, uh, Laureano used to, I think used to be in the Astros system. So like, or the hitting coach used to be his hitting coach. One of the two, they have like like they know each other, so what? Clearly, whatever he said was not good. Also, don't bring other people's moms into it. That's never okay. Yeah, well, okay. In the coach, like yeah. you're supposed to be the authority figure here. You're supposed to be like the mature one, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, also continuing with like an immaturity streak here, Cardinals have more games postponed. They're now up to 13 games that have been postponed. The Marlins only had 10 games postponed before they came back. Cardinals have 17 employees. I think 13 13 or 14 of those, I think, is players, if I remember. Something around that is players. I just want to know, though, what's the accountability for the players who just, like, went out and decided that COVID didn't exist? Right. I don't even know. I guess they think not playing 13 games in a row is the accountability. But that's accountability your team. Like, if I'm an yeah. owner, I'm like, wait a minute, but you screwed me out of money. Right. Like, yeah. I don't, yeah. And um, I was looking at their schedule. The last game they played was July 29th. They'll play, unless they postpone the games later this week, they won't play until I I think Thursday was a scheduled off day, so I think they play would play Friday. Um, the four teams that they've also screwed over by not being able to play them 
are the Brewers, Tigers, Cubs, and Pirates. Because remember, now that it's August, they're taking the postponed games and making them double headers. So that doesn't only screw the team with COVID, it screws the team they have to play. And it's the stupid seven inning thing. And Yeah. But here's the really screwy thing with uh, the Cardinals, which they deserve. So in September, they have one off day in the second week of September. After that, no off days until the end of the season, and that includes having four double headers thrown into that schedule. So their pitching is going to be interesting. Um, I did want to point out, because you mentioned the Marlins, mm-hmm. who knew that the key to the Marlins being like an actual MLB team is like just hire the garbage man to be your <laughs> pitcher. Like all of these people they're bringing up and like no one's ever heard of them before. Yeah. Like, I'm half expecting them to ask the Mets for Tebow at this point or something. Because it's like, they're just, but they're all doing well. They're not bad. And I, so they were in, like, first place just because they didn't play so many games. So just by playing, like, four games, they automatically basically went first in their division. And I saw a lot of people actually seriously saying that they want the Marlins to go to the World Series. And I get, like, that's funny, haha, they missed so many games, and now they have a bunch of no-names. But me, I'm like, why are you, Why would you reward the team mm-hmm. for that? In yeah, it mind. feels like – but I, I did hear a podcast about this, and I think this is accurate. I think part of it is just – it's all these people there is literally no scouting report on because no one even yeah. knows they exist. <laughs> right. But, like, as soon as you get a few games, like, especially pitchers mm-hmm. – like, you can't trot out these nobodies for, like... Yeah, it like, only works one or two games. And maybe there's one gem in there, but it's not as if you can just randomly pull, like, four aces out of nowhere. Right. Like, that's not how that works. Yeah. And uh, another amateur player, but better team, uh, Zach Plezak decided when Cleveland was in Chicago that he was, you know, going to go hang out with friends, even though that's against protocol for his team. That they're now enforcing. Yes. Because also remember, teams were responsible for making their own protocols because who needs MLB to do that, I guess. Um, So they sent him home, which I freaking loved. Uh, The only thing that I have an issue with is they said he'll be quarantined for 72 hours and tested daily. 72 hours is not the window of incubation. Like, well, that's no, not going to do anything. Sure, 72 hours is, like, a very convenient time frame. Right. It's like, is he going to miss a start? Probably not, unless his start was the day that well, he came you can to just things home. around. Yeah. And I'm also like, 72 hours? No, that should be, like, he should be on COVID IL. And regardless, so I do. I I read because Ken Rosenthal again, the Athletic had a great mm-hmm. article, and he was talking about how the MLB is, did kind of go to teams and like, okay, your protocols need to do this, this, and this, and if the te- if your players don't follow it, like you actually have to do something. But I keep saying like, okay, so that's great. This guy went out and like potentially exposed all of his teammates and all of that stuff. So at least for the days that he's like out does he not get paid for that because it's different being on the injured list if it's not anything you can control right but like it's written in your contract that you can't just like randomly go skiing in the off season and stuff because they don't want their like prized possession 
Dan- yeah. that's, like, that's why no active players ever really go on, like, Dancing with the Stars. Right. Poor Achilles dancing on national television. Like, not a great thing. So why wouldn't this be any different? And also the ironic part, I guess, of this whole situation is um, back in Ju- on July 3rd, uh, Plezak said this. There are common sense situations where you see things are packed or going out to bars and drinking. Doing stuff like that isn't stuff that's really important to us right now and shouldn't be important to us right now. Apparently it's important in, in yeah, so, August, completely different month. It wasn't clearly. important in July, but it is very important in August now. And, well, you know, COVID has drastically <laughs> changed in a month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Um, last thing, the Rangers finally won a series. Not only won it, they swept the Angels, which is exciting. But also, if they didn't do that, would have been ridiculous because they should have swept the Angels because the Angels are god-awful. However, it's a series win. They swept. Oakland swept Houston, and now we're in second place, so I guess I'll take it. And especially since, like, half the league makes the playoffs anyways. (laughs) Exactly. Just just into it. Okay, so, anyways, I think that was most of our updates. Do we want to do rants and raves now? Yes. So, um, my rant, I've already kind of alluded to this. Okay, I get that it was, like, on, like, they didn't necessarily plan to have this or whatever, but the secondary draft lottery thing was terrible. And here, okay, should have known when Gary Bettman was, like, they were, ta- like, the gal was setting it up, like, you know, you had these great qualifying series, so many interesting things. Today's your off day, and now you have this exciting thing where someone gets Alexi Lafreniere, and then tomorrow is, like, this first round that everyone's always excited by. And it's, like... And he answered it well. He's like, well, we don't view this as like an event. It's just like uh, getting the job done or like a, a task we need to do. And it's like, you're televising it. <laughs> of course it's an event. You're televising it. Right. Like, come on. And so I'm just sitting there like, they managed to make, which they didn't televise live, but they managed to make like their testing protocol and like, inside the bubble of the operations more interesting than a draft was like an amazing player. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, you couldn't have done this any better. Like seriously. Well, like, and I get that there's like rules and stuff like that, but wouldn't it have been so awesome if it was the reverse and it was like the last ball in there won the, the lottery. And so it was yeah. like the one that came up is eliminated. And that then it was like so a good. whole thing. But it's just like something. Someone had to be more creative than, and when we spent the whole time going through every team and describing what their season was like, and then just and have the commissioners. Say, the <laughs> this thing that says Oilers. Yeah, that's the Edmonton Oilers. I'm like, people feel like you think that they're stupid. Like, was there a chance that someone put a wrong ping pong ball in a briefcase okay. that was locked? I get if that's legally required to make the draft official. But then why can't you have, like, Gary Bettman or whatever in an earpiece just confirming through the earpiece? Yeah. And if all of the general managers need to hear it, they can hear it. But we don't need to hear that because it sounds terrible. It was. For, I was literally staring at my screen like, is this? 
happening? Am I, this is a professional sports league? What is going on here? And then all of that for just like they pushed a button and like immediately the Rangers ball came up. Wow. Like it was, it was so lame. So yeah. I also kind of wish they had like a bunch of blank ones in there because like I could see the logo before they even called it, first of all. Well, yeah. It, I don't know. It looks so boring. I'm like, there's eight well, ping pong balls in there. And how they do it in the like normal draft lottery, because it's not equal, yeah. and there's all of these specific percentages, is they have numbers. And there's like so many, it's like bingo, basically. Yeah. All these numbers. And then it's a combination of numbers, kind of almost like, I guess, Powerball, that's like, these combinations belong to this team and these combinations belong to this team. So could you imagine that would have been more interesting if we had our whole big old list and then like a number came out and we're like, oh yeah, I Pittsburgh Penguins, I have this one, this one, this one. And then the next one is like, oh, I'm out on this one. But then and so then you're like left and you're sitting there and it's like, well if it's this number then it's mine. But if it's not that number then it's someone else. Like that would at least be exciting. There's so many things you could do to make it exciting. That was not it. I think we should send this clip to NHL and be like, here's our idea next time. Try it. Something better. This would be horrible. <laughs> so. Um, my rant is also something I alluded to. It's with the stars. Um, so the stars, when they got Pavelski last year, I remember texting and be like, okay, so what's the big deal with this guy? And one of the first things he said was like, he's really good at tipping in pucks in front of the net. I swear to God, they've been in the bubble for I don't know, however long, and we've gotten, I think, three videos of them practicing, and every practice, Pavelski is practicing that. I have yet to see him stand in front of the net, because if they have him and Jamie Ben on the same line, that's automatically where both of them go. Like, one of them is there, and it's usually always Jamie Ben, and it infuriates me, because that's where Pavelski supposedly thrives. And he can never be there because Jamie Ben's there. Or if Jamie Ben's not there, Pavelski just isn't. And I don't know why. It infuriates me so much. The the puck that even went in, Jamie, he didn't tip it in, but he was the one in front of the net. And here's the thing. Love Jamie Ben. He's like, I, I have I have a spot in my heart for him. However, uh, Pavelski, I believe, is a better player right now. Yeah. And so it's like, I get he's your captain. I get all of that. But you have to put – well, this is Rick Bonus we're talking about, so no, he doesn't. <laughs> but you have to put your best players in the spots that they belong. Yeah. And, so, and if you're going to have him practice that freaking every practice, why isn't he doing it in the game? Yeah. And so – okay, also, I need a bonus rant. Yes. Jack Johnson is the worst <laughs> hockey player I have ever seen in my life. I don't know why – I don't know what Mike Sullivan has against Yuso Ricola, who is legitimately way better than Jack Johnson. And he played Jack Johnson in like key things. At one point he was throwing out Crosby, Malkin, and Gensel, which is amazing. Like we're trying to get points. That's awesome. But when you put Jack Johnson out there, he can't pass. He can't, he can't do anything. He can't carry the puck. He can't. So I'm just sitting, sitting there like, okay, if the possession always dies with him, then you can't put him, you can't put him with your good players because then they never get the puck. You can't put him with your bad players because then everyone's hemmed in the zone. So it's like, what do we do? He's horrible. Like every metric, 
horrible. And somehow, and this was known when I signed him, so we overpaid. But then also, somehow, he gets all of this playing time over Yusu Rika, who is way better. Sorry, I just needed to get that off my chest. No, it's totally <laughs> fine, because it made me think of the fact that, like, yesterday the Stars scored, or when St. Louis scored the goal, it was because it was an odd man rush, and the Stars decided to do a line change during it. And then they decided during every power play to just pass the puck for two minutes without shooting. The the Leafs, uh, the second goal Columbus got against the Leafs was maybe the worst line change I've ever seen in my life. There was no one there. It was like Morgan Riley, and he's looking around like, is anyone else even on the ice? So I just cannot with some of these coaches. I'm like, I've watched two years of hockey, and I think I could do better. Yeah. So. Anyways, that was my so brave, I guess. Time. I kind of think about this. Can you go first? Do you have a rave? Yeah, I have a rave. And surprisingly, it's a baseball rave. I feel like all my baseball has been rants, but this is a rave. Um, on, I think it was Friday. Yeah, Friday because they were in Oakland. Uh, Zach Grinke was pitching for the Houston Astros. I didn't know he was pitching that day. Um, and I'm sure no one else knew unless they were watching the game because um, there were pictures of Zach Greinke just sitting in the stands with some of the cardboard cutouts. I was like, oh, that's funny, because he did that the night before in Houston, just casually just sitting out in the stands. And it, it's a very Zach Greinke thing to do. Why would you want to sit with your teammates when you could go sit with no one? Um, and then as I was uh, looking at Twitter, because I follow a couple of the Astros reporters, they were like, and Greinke's done for the night after six innings or something like that. And I was like, wait, he was actually going into the stands in the half inning he wasn't pitching. So he went straight from the mound to the seats behind the dugout. I was just chilling there for those half innings, which is the most hilarious, beautiful Zach Grinke thing ever. And I love that it was him. But I also love that there were like tweets like, you know it's bad when Zach Grinke doesn't even want to sit with his teammates. He'd rather sit with, like, cardboard cutouts. And I'm like, well, who wouldn't? Why would I want to sit in that Astros dugout either? Um, but it was just perfectly Zach Grinke. Um, so I found my rave. It's kind of like a petty fun. But, huh? okay, the leave for that, before they proceeded to overcome the three-goal deficit, blowing the three-goal lead, which is a very, very Leafs thing because they've blown two 4-1 leads to Boston in playoff games. So, like, it's a very least thing to do. And so that, of course, meant that Twitter rose to the occasion, which I had no doubt that they would do. <laughs> so we had, if we'd all just worn a mask, the Leafs would have blown a three-goal lead three months ago. I do remember reading that one. I, and then Pete Blackburn, who's a noted Bruins fan said, I know I'm usually very mean to the Leafs, but I do, tr I truly do genuinely appreciate what they're doing to make us feel normal in these trying times. <laughs> so I appreciate the, the funny, like, jokes and stuff like that. It was, it's just, I, I love when Twitter does stuff like yeah. that. It makes it fun. Um, but then I also, another, like, random hockey thing, I found out so what they're planning to do, I thought it was just going to be the finals. They're also doing the conference finals in the Edmonton bubble. So that's four teams, which makes sense in the sense that, like, 
as you eliminate half your teams every round, that your space needs and all that greatly decrease. But with the space needs decreasing, I believe what they're going to do, and I think this makes sense, they're bringing in, I think, like immediate families. It's like, oh, yeah, wives and kids. And then they're going to bring them in, I think, ahead of time, quarantine them all on their own for a while and then have them join their family so that they can actually like, even though they're living in a hotel room together, yeah. that the guys can actually have their families yeah. there. And I was like, that really makes sense, especially yeah. when you consider like the final four, that's two rounds from now. That's a good yeah. long while from now. And so I, I really do. I liked that approach and I thought the NHL and that's kind of like they shook hands at the end mm-hmm. of the thing. And the, like Gary Bettman was saying, we can do that because they have 8,000 negative tests. Yeah. And so it's like when you do all of the other stuff appropriately, it gives you these benefits right? that you didn't. And so I think it's kind of a great model yeah. for what society should be doing because it's like if you do these things correctly like you can have hockey and furthermore if the hockey players follow the rules then like their families can come and they can shake hands and they can have everything the way they want it yeah and speaking of that I think it was on Vancouver Canucks Twitter they posted a video earlier or later last week um of like the whole process of like every like the basically minute by minute schedule that they have of like going from practice to going to the stadium to filling up the water bottles like everything they do like watching that I was like oh I knew MLB was really slacking but now they're they're really slacking once you see it. it's a very fascinating video to see all that they have to do just to go to like one practice and there was and the NHL has wanted this stuff out there because they want to prove to people like mm-hmm. they're taking it seriously. So there was a, an article I think on NHL.com maybe about or it might have been in a Canadian outlet about like all of the medical stuff and what's that that's like. Mm-hmm. And so you found out anyone with routine direct contact with the players. So your coaches, your medical staff, the players themselves, referees, anything like that, they all get tested every day. And okay. then pl- things like people who serve food or something like people who are like more distant and not always Mm -hmm. constant contact. They are like cleaning people, stuff like that. They're tested, I believe every three days, but the way it works is there's an app everyone has that they sign up for that gives them like green or red where they report symptoms to, and they have to check in on that every 12 hours. And then the test, they have to have results from the previous days because it's a 24 hour result period. But the thing that I thought was interesting is they said they're given a 30-minute time frame to complete their testing. Like, each player mm-hmm. is scheduled, and there's, like, it's alphabetical, and it's all very organized. And they said that's the one thing that the players, like, it's like, I have to set an alarm <laughs> so I'm there <laughs> on time. <laughs> but it's never, like, early or crazy or anything like that. It's just they have to remind themselves. And yeah. so I thought that was funny. But it, it is, like, if you read a lot of the stuff that NHL mm-hmm. put out there about all of the things that they're doing and, like, Casimir Kaskisuo of the Leafs, I guess not anymore, but he did some <laughs> vlogs of what it was like inside, mm-hmm. including like the testing and how the app all works and stuff like that. All very fascinating. And I really appreciate that the NHL is open with that. Yeah. Cause it is, it's very, like, it almost sounds like it would be boring to hear about, but it's like very interesting every little detail they thought about, especially if you compare it to MLB. So I just wanted to end with, cause I did go to Sean Shapiro's article and mm-hmm. I just, love no, that's it right. so it's yes. like here here's a summary okay this is he has like some things about like 
different points. And number two was the stars can't score. We know that. They know that. The world knows that. They had one off offensive burst against the Vegas Golden Knights on Monday. But aside from that, the stars have looked lifeless offensively, dating all the way back to training camp in Frisco. The stars system is so reliant on limiting chances that they also limit any semblance of chances for themselves. Dallas is so dedicated to playing boring shutdown based hockey that they seem seemingly forgotten how to play anything that looks like offense, like preach. And then the other one. That, uh, that part, I was just like, yes, yes, Sean, keep going. Point three. The Stars' leading goal scorer only played 13 minutes, 22 seconds. The, scar the Stars even took ice time away from the FCC line. But Denis Gurionov still couldn't get additional minutes. It's like, thank you. He gets it. Finally, someone else saying it. And I think this kind of does hit at, like, a bigger problem that isn't just bonus, but, like, a team problem. It's become funny when opposing coaches start to preview the stars and media availabilities and they list the arsenal of firepower. You'll, you'll get a list of names rattled off that include Jamie Benn, Tyler Sagan, Alexander Radulov, Joe Pavelski, and Corey Perry. The problem is this is 2020 and not 2016. And I think that's very valid of like, yeah, it, it, the same thing kind of happened, although admittedly he played amazing in the series, Carey Price. Everyone's like, he's the most amazing goalie ever, ever, ever. When since injury, his regular seasons have been very mediocre. Yeah. And it's like, they just remember who you were, not necessarily who yeah. you are. Yeah. So, interesting stuff. <laughs> I think that's most of what we have for this week. I'm sure there will be something, especially with the first round, sorry, there will be something crazy going yeah. on in hockey, something in baseball that we'll hop on for a quick hitter. But with that, I guess we will see you all next week. Bye, guys.